Welcome everyone to the fifth episode of the second season of the Sabermetrics Podcast. My name is Bill, as always. Alongside me is Walt. Walt, how you doing, man? How were your holidays? Uh, doing great. I mean, had a great holiday season. How about yourself? Not too bad. Um, like I said, I was a little under the weather uh, pre-show. Um, you know, was was kind of down and out during the holiday season. Still had a good time. Um, and we are finally feeling better and back. Um, wanted to get one more episode out before the end of the year, so Happy New Year to everyone if you are listening um, in 2022. Um, but let's just kind of hop right into what the, the current state of the Sabres is right now, and then we'll, we'll get into other topics kind of surrounding them. Um, Sabres have a bunch of guys on COVID, have a bunch of guys injured, and so it's really depleted not only you know the, the Amherst quality players, but then they had to sign guys and... Not exactly sure when the guys off COVID will be coming back, really. Um, seems like it could be, I believe, like in between five to ten days, depending on um, whatever kind of protocols are in place. But the list of players that are out due to COVID is Jeff Skinner, Zemgis Giergensens, Vinny Hinestroza, Jacob Bryson, Dustin Tokarski, Mark Jankowski, and Dylan Cousins. Guys that are out with injury, Colin Miller, Drake Kajula, um, they, I mean, this is CBS, so it's not totally accurate, but they say Andrew Ogilvie, um, which I haven't heard his name down there in Rochester, so hopefully he's getting back. I think he had like a longer-term injury like Lucas Rusek. Uh, Robert Hag's out, obviously, uh, so is Casey Middlestad and Craig Anderson. Um, I mean, this has really provided an opportunity for a lot of guys to get their, their first NHL games or get their first game. Games with the Sabres, uh, like Alex Tuck and, and Peyton Krebs. You have first NHL games with Ethan Prow, uh, J.J. Paterka. I'm, absolute, I'm definitely missing another. Um, but what what is your thoughts on just how the Sabres have been able to at least call up some guys that are... like It's like Peyton Krebs and J.J. Paterka, and they were able to finally get Alex Tuck back into the fold. I mean, those are some exciting names. Now, the games haven't been terribly exciting themselves. Um, but there have been some positives as well. What have your thoughts on not only like the Sabres depth for, I'm not going to say for skill or, or anything like that, but just for excitement, for to get butts in seats and for to get people to watch because they wanted to see Alex Tuck play. They want to see Peyton Krebs play. They want to see J.J. Paterka play. Like that was, that was the time to call them up. Obviously, they had to. There's so many guys out on COVID, but I just wanted to get your overall sense on, on what's going on and, and those new guys that came up. Oh uh, yeah, I mean it's definitely uh, pretty interesting just to get all those guys coming up all at the same time. I mean it definitely probably wasn't that expected uh, due to this new COVID wave taking out a bunch of the roster. But I mean obviously it's great to get fans in the seats 
uh, with these new exciting players. I mean, even get more viewers on TV uh, just because like rebuilding years, they kind of get, they kind of get boring, kind of get stagnant with just the same players over and over for the most part. Uh, really not too many wins. So it's great just to get a little bit of a taste of the future guys like Paterka and Krebs. And I'm, I thought it was even cool to see a guy like Ethan Prow, his first NHL game at the age of 29, score a goal. Stuff like that's always pretty cool to see uh, during a rebuilding year. I say during a rebuilding year, the, the Sabres are actually almost doing it right. Instead of having guys like Matt D'Agostini and Andre Benoit, they have you know, guys like Ethan Prow where he's getting his first NHL game, getting a goal. That's a cool story. Then they have guys like J.J. Paterka that's been tearing it up down there. And I'm sure Jack Quinn would have been part of that, too, if he didn't uh, come down with Mono. It sounds like he's doing a lot better, and he's back with the team and, and rebuilding his strength, so that's good because I know Mono can, can really take out a hockey player. I, had a, I played with a kid in youth hockey who had Mono, and he tried to, like, play through it, and it was so noticeable. I felt – we all felt really bad for him. It was it was tough to watch, and, and Mono can really take you out. But, um, yeah, when it comes to the rebuilding years for the Sabres, do stuff like that. I mean, again, they had to. They had so many guys out. They had to call up, you know, anyone they could from from Rochester. But guys like J.J. Paterka or Jack Quinn or Peyton Krebs getting their shot, I think we all kind of assumed maybe after the trade deadline, after they offload some guys like, I don't know, like Hinnestroza or Eakin or some of these other players uh, that are on expiring contracts. But that's, I mean, it, again, UPL. There's There's another story where, like, he wasn't doing all that well in Rochester, and if things didn't come up, there was no injuries or COVID or whatever. Everyone was just kind of assuming he was going to be down there in Rochester for the entire year because he wasn't doing that well, and they're like, he needs to play through it and, and get get his games in and get the experience and, and work through this and then move on. But then he immediately gets called up to the Sabres and, and has to perform, and performs pretty well. So um, what is your thoughts? I, I know there's been a, not a little bit of talk, um, I guess, privately, about the performance of J.J. Paterka in these past two games. Again, this is a 19-year-old playing in his first two NHL games against grown men. Um, what is your thoughts, Ben, on him? Because personally, I thought he's looked fine. I don't I don't really have too much of an issue. I mean, yeah, there's probably some plays he wants back, but there's also things that he did out there that shows how dynamic he can be. So I just wanted to see what your thoughts were on, on his play and, and kind of it looks like his analytics were looking pretty good too. Yeah, I mean, I thought Paterka, I mean, usually with 19-year-old, especially a second-round pick, you usually don't expect those guys to even make it to the NHL. I mean, obviously, there's some other circumstances, which is why he actually got the call. But, I mean, he's been doing great down in the AHL. He's really just added so many dimensions to his game since his draft year. I mean, when the Sabres drafted him, he's kind of looking like just a simple type of player. I mean, one that can be good and effective. I mean, really not much playmaking, really not like too much in like the just offensive creation department. But I mean, that's obviously changed with this game. I mean, we've seen him be a beast in transition in the AHL. I mean, we've seen that translate to the NHL a bit. Uh, I mean, some of the plays got broken up, but for the most part, he had some pretty impressive transition plays. I mean, you can't really ask too much for like, once again, a second round pick. 19-year-old in the NHL, I mean, I think the Sabres have kind of gotten everything they have could have dreamt of when they picked him with his production in the AHL, with the strides he's made in improving his game. I mean, he's definitely going to be a main piece on the Sabres teams going forward, and I mean, 
he proved me wrong. I mean, I didn't think he could add these dimensions to his game, and I think he's a really exciting piece for the Buffalo Sabres to have. I can I can definitely agree with that. I definitely always liked his tenacity and his play like below the dots, which, again, that's something that uh, Kyle Opozo doesn't get enough appreciation for as well, is just their, their play along the wall and below the dots because there's not a lot of space in the NHL and, and on North American ice, so you have to be able to do those things. Um, and you have to have players like that. And, and those two are, at least in, in my viewing, have been good at that. You know, JJ coming from um, a men's league over in Germany. So that could kind of shade a little bit of his playmaking abilities because he was playing against grown men and it was just tougher. Um, you know, I'm not saying the German uh, National League is, is like top three or anything like that. But, I mean, he was a young kid playing in a, in a grown men's league. So... Um, that could have possibly shaded it, but going back to my point previous, um, yeah, when it comes to the, I don't want to say, it's not really like the grit and jam, but it's like the dirty areas. He seems like one of those players that is willing to go to those areas and he's good at it too. Um, because sometimes, I mean, you can be, you can have all the heart in the world. If you're just not good at something, you can only get so far. Um, you know, that's, that's kind of not an issue with him essentially is what I'm trying to say and another thing when it comes to the transitions for uh, JJ Paterka it's something that you can have a guy like Dylan Cousins on the second line and JJ Paterka on the third line and just from the small sample size of Paterka that I've seen in in Rochester and in Buffalo now um, he seems like one of those guys that in the same sense of Dylan Cousins can carry the puck with speed through the neutral zone and attack not only by handling the puck because sometimes you do need to chip and chase that's just that's just the way hockey play is played you can't have a controlled entry every single time and he's also adept at chipping and chasing and that's something that Dylan Cousins is is good as well and and speed obviously is a big factor of that and and tenacity is as well Um, but that's something that teams definitely need again you don't need to go chip the puck in and, and hit the defenseman five rows deep but if you're creating turnovers and you're getting it deep in, in their zone and guys are able to follow up and, and get into prime positions, I mean, that's an effective tool for, for a line to have. Um, the way I view lines, and I'm, I'm going off on, on a longer tangent than, than I expected, but is you, you want a guy that's going to go get the puck, cause a turnover. You want a guy that's going to support and set up a play, and then you want a guy that's going to get open and score. So that was kind of my thought process when you have guys like maybe like Dylan Cousins. He would go in, get the puck. Then you'd have a guy like for, I don't know, let's just say Peyton Krebs. He'll make a play. He has a vision. Then you put him on the line with Jeff Skinner who can finish the play. That's that's kind of my structure when it comes to lines. Might be a little bit different when it gets to the bottom six. But if you have J.J. Paterka and you put him with a couple other guys that are offensively productive I think he can be incredibly effective all the way up to your your top six he can be your second line left or right winger Um, is that kind of a trajectory that you can see do you agree with my kind of model when it comes to the type of personnel you want on a line Um, there's there's definitely different ways of going about it that's just kind of at a at a bare minimum that's that's what I can fall back on now you can also have guys three guys that are of supreme skill and don't need to touch anyone don't need to really bump and grind they can just dangle pass shoot and score but um, that's just kind of my my philosophy especially when it comes to getting down to the basics of hockey Um, so I just wanted to 
put that over to, to you and see kind of where your your thought process is on, on all of that. Yeah, I mean, I th- it'll be interesting to see the kind of evolution of Don Granado's system. I mean, once this team gets more talent, I mean, once the younger players become more talented, because right now his system's pretty effective uh, considering the personnel they have, but there's really only so much you could ask of a guy like Andres Bjork or Vinny Hinestroza or players of that caliber that are pretty much throughout the Sabres lineup right now. I mean, in the future, I mean, hopefully when they get whoever their top pick is in 2022, 2023, then you get Owen Power in the system. Darlene progresses more. Uh, Cousins progresses. I mean, once you get that, I think the systems will change a little bit, but at the same time, I mean, kind of the meat and potatoes of hockey. I mean, just kind of that dump and chase game that uh, the Flames are playing right now. I mean, it's turned them into one of the best teams of the NHL. And I mean, we thought that system maybe died with like this last uh, LA Kings dynasty, but I mean, I was just going to say works every time I was just going <laughs> to say it, that reminds me a lot of the LA Kings of like the, like 2012 ish area. Um, but again, that like, that goes back to my point where like, there's no, this is what you need to have a retrieve guy. You need to have a pass guy. You need to have a shoot guy. Like you can have a bunch of grinders on, on the line. Like it's a fluid game. Obviously it's hockey. People are smart enough to understand that. And there's a ton of nuance there. So it, there's just so much there's so much that goes into like building a team and that do you think Granado as of right now even though think you know they've lost the past couple games um, you know it's kind of a, a lost season in general I mean like if you're gonna have like a lost rebuilding season I'd rather you have it during COVID when all this weird stuff's going on because it's just a weird season and it's guys are getting called up and sat and whatever um, do you think it's one sustainable the way that Granado has these guys playing, um, basically not not as in like the, the the style, but getting lost on the players that are here, um, is is that something that needs to be tweaked? Because for the past week, and the reason I ask this is, I I really like Seth Appert, and I re- I, I I'm it's a little too soon to say because he's just started coaching in pro hockey, but I think he could at some point end up as the head coach of the Buffalo Sabres coming up from Rochester. So I just wanted to see your thoughts on Granado. This is nothing against Granado. I love him. I'm just saying like way, way down the line, you know, years and years when everyone was saying Granado is the guy that we need for right now. I was like, okay, well, what does that mean down the line then? And that's kind of my thought process. So I just wanted to see the sustainability of his system and, you know, just kind of the, progression of getting those guys in the lineup you're going to have a power you're going to have another a bunch of other younger guys where does it go from development to okay now we need to start having success because at some point they have to stop developing and they need to win you're not going to be able to fall back on yeah we're developing young guys for four years I mean I think you got a couple and then people want to want a relatively quicker turnaround and in the sense of getting those guys through the system properly and teaching them and drafting well and continuing to do that because it's already started. They've already started drafting higher up because of their position in the standings. And now they're starting to see guys like Josh Bloom or Linus Weisbach or other guys that can start coming through the system. Just wanted to see your overall thoughts on the state of the system 
that the players play and kind of the front office side of things were building and kind of a, a good timeline that the Sabres are on. Yeah, I think it's like almost nearly impossible to evaluate a guy like Don Granado this season because yeah. while hockey does involve a fair amount of tactics, I mean, for the most part, barely makes a difference. I mean, look at Florida, that uh, everybody's like, oh, Coach Q's the reason why they're really able to turn this team around. And then, I mean, after everything went, that went down, he obviously gets fired. And then, I mean, the team's just the same, if not better. So, I mean... Once you get certain system, I mean, really anyone could implement it. I mean, maybe it's just up to the coach to find the right system to implement. But, I mean, at the end of the day, it really just boils down to talent level. I mean, there's not a single coach in the world that can make this Buffalo Sabres team competitive this season with the group right. of players they have. So it's going to be interesting to see what their plans at Granado is because Emmer Ted Nolan, who got absolutely shafted his last time in Buffalo, I mean, I'm not saying that he was, like, the best coach and should have been the coach of the future, but to bring that guy in for two years where you intentionally lose games almost and then yeah. just fire him at the end of it, I mean, what are you even evaluating him on? I mean, like, did he even know that that was a plan heading into this? I mean, so hopefully they don't repeat their past mistakes with a guy like Don Granado. I mean, hopefully they give him a shot to kind of build this thing out once the prospects come along further and i mean once the rebuild kind of comes to an end and they start adding like more nhl talent like they start being buyers in the offseason at the deadline so i mean there's definitely positive signs of granado so far but yeah i'd really just like to see him in like a with an actual like nhl playoff team caliber roster and see what he could do before i really make like my final verdict on him yeah that's fair and i think there's a I don't want to put out there that I'm going back on what I've said before is, you know, we need to preach patience, but I think you definitely want to see steps like two years from now, if we're speaking, I definitely want to see steps taken. I I don't know exactly what that looks like, but it's definitely winning more games. I mean, you can still be a rebuilding team and miss the playoffs and not be, you know, bottom three or bottom four or bottom five. So I want to see steps at least and again they've taken them this year and it's a testament to Granada what he has been able to get out of this this team because I'm not sure talent wise and just uh, you know, injury wise I mean you've literally had Casey Middlestad for like five periods I think he was he two periods first game and I think he played one other game and he went out in the was it the third period that he hurt his his wrist so maybe not yeah, even five I think periods he's got like it's like, 60 minutes of ice time this year or something yeah, like he doesn't even have 55 on five minutes <laughs> yeah he is yeah he doesn't he does not have 55 on excuse me he does not have 55 or 55 on five minutes he has 45 a tongue twister <laughs> yeah geez not to yeah you know, voice uh voice dies on me and then uh can't get it through i mean it was like saying a last name again <laughs> if you're a listener of the show you already know i can barely pronounce my own last name um but I, I, it's just interesting to – it's it's tough to assess. It really is tough to assess, like, okay, how, how well is the, the coaching staff doing? Because, like, you see guys progressing or getting better. Like, Tage Thompson. Again, he had my vote of confidence last year. And, again, it was Ralph Kruger, and I'm just going to blame him. But that, that went poorly. It, was it simply just moving him to center? No, I mean, it was probably giving him more ice time, which, again, is 
you were essentially forced upon, um, especially when after Middlestat went down and you knew Eichel wasn't coming back and Reinhardt's gone and, and all that. Um, is it how much of it is the opportunity versus the coaching, if that makes sense? Like, is, is uh, Tate Thompson really this good or is he just playing well and, and definitely deserves credit? Um, is he just playing well with the opportunity that's given to him, which is exactly what you want to see. I'm, again, I'm not trying to crap on Tate at all. It's awesome to see what he's doing. But how much of it is on the coaching staff? I'm sure some of it is. But can we really attest all of this growth to simply this is what the coaches are doing? Or is it guys – getting put in positions and, and kind of taking it upon themselves. I think with Tage Thompson, I think the biggest thing that's changed with this switch to center is really just having more open ice to work with, not really having to play off the wall as much. Cause I mean, just watching the guy play in the wing. I mean, you could tell that just like, that's kind of why we don't see a lot of guys, his size really be forwards actually. I mean, really just yeah. being able to play off the wall, make those quick plays, get, shots off in tight that's really hard when you're like pushing six seven so i think now that he's able to play at the middle of the ice kind of get some more space in the offensive zone i mean a little more room to get a shot off i think we're really seeing kind of a more effective tage thompson i mean i don't really think he's made too many like overall changes to his game i mean i really think that kind of the position changes one of the main reasons why he's improved so much because i mean the skill level i mean we obviously all saw it previous seasons with the sabers i mean that was something that was always there i mean usually a lot of stuff you try never worked but i mean we saw like something there so it's not like that skill part really came out of nowhere i mean it's really just they found a kind of a more effective role just for his skill set i mean i think you could definitely attribute a lot of that to the coaching staff i mean Maybe they just fell into it by accident. Maybe they're just so low on centers. They're like, let's just try Tage here and see what happens. I mean, maybe they knew beforehand that he's a guy that just needs more space to work with. He's not really great off the wall. So, I mean, I think, in my mind, I think I attribute a lot of that success to the coaching stuff. Yeah, and I should I should change what I was trying to say. Um, is coaching staff made that decision to put him there, which I think might have been something that Granado had Thompson at the U, uh, United States Development Program, I think, maybe. So maybe he yeah, knew that Thompson so. could play center. Um, I was, I should say, instead of being it attributed to coaching, I should say to like specific skill development for players because it is something that the coaching staff made a good decision on and put him at center again, you know, regardless of whether they essentially kind of had to or it was an active decision like no let's do this they do deserve credit for making that decision it was more do we attribute to uh, like skill development and and are they getting better like skill wise not making decisions on where they are in the lineup and and how they're deployed kind of decisions is what i was trying to say but i feel like that kind of i kind of lost that one so i'm just gonna i'm just gonna you know count my uh Count my wins there and, and move on to the next topic here. Um, when it comes to the the Amherst, I did want to touch on um, just a few things going on there. Um, when it comes to the goaltending, uh, Michael Hauser is still, um, I believe, starting for them down there. So um, when it comes to Tikarski's situation, we were talking about it 
pre-show. I'm not 100% sure what's going on. It sounds like it was an injury um, that took him out first, and then he got COVID, and now he's having some complications with COVID. Is that is that exactly what's going on? Because I'm trying to piece together the um, essentially the depth chart to the goaltending situation in the Sabres. Yeah, I mean, that's what it sounds like. I mean, they must have... I mean, they're probably really lucky now with the addition of the taxi squad because it makes yeah. their moves with that goalie situation so much easier. So, I mean, I don't know if they're going to decide to maybe move a guy like uh, Malcolm Subban to the taxi squad or maybe they move Tokarski down there since Subban's had some pretty nice games. I mean, he's had he had that one really good game against Pittsburgh that I think is kind of just deserving of a few more looks alone. So, yeah. But I mean, Tokarski at the same time has been pretty. He's, he literally stole a game. He's literally stole yeah. a game for the Sabres <laughs> against Pittsburgh. So, um, my thought. So I guess this kind of leads me into what I wanted to say. I'm a little bit all over the place. Um, we didn't really. We just kind of are winging it today. Um, so, if I, I usually have like a list that I go down. So, um, when it comes to the like the taxi squad and possibly sending guys down, I'm still in the camp of, and I know he's played well up here, I'm still in the camp of sending down UPL to to Rochester. By the way, he's going to go down no matter what because he's going to go down there for the playoffs if the if the Amherst make it. I mean, little star there. I believe they will. Um, you know, hopefully things don't don't go too poorly or, or get derailed. I'm not exactly sure where they stand in the standings. I'll look that up when you're, um, you know, going on about the, the next thing I ask. But, um, so when it comes to UPL, where is your thought process? Because he's playing well in the, in, in Buffalo. I mean, you know, I'm sure there's a couple goals that he might want back, but I mean, every goalie has that. Um, do you keep him around? Do you send him down? Do you wait for a while and have him be a number two when Tokarski comes back, put Subban on the taxi squad? Do you put UPL on the taxi squad, which, by the way, I would not. Um, do you roll uh, Subban and UPL and do you put Tokarski on the taxi squad? Do you kind of interchange those three and continue to rotate them? What, do you just send down UPL to Rochester? What is your thought process? thought process excuse me holy crap i can't speak on what to do with upl i mean in my mind i think upl is a sabers starting goalie until he's not i mean they really don't have any downside to uh keeping him up here since he's getting a bunch of games up here and he's been i think by far the sabers best goalie this year uh so which is pretty surprising considering the fact that he wasn't that great in the ahl and i mean the other thing too with the AHL now, I mean, obviously they're dealing with COVID problems too amongst their teams. And not only that, the uh, re-addition of the taxi squad to the NHL pretty much takes away every AHL team's best five, six players. They got more guys getting called up due to people in COVID protocol. So, I mean, you were seeing like some AHL teams without like their eight or nine best players. Yeah. So, I mean, some teams don't even have enough call-ups just from their ECHL team alone. Like some of them have been having to hand out uh professional tryouts and stuff like that amateur tryouts to uh really just guys in the echl that aren't signed to uh ahl deals so i mean just that area worries me alone is sending a guy like upl back down i mean i think things would have to clear up first because yeah. the ahl as it stands now just isn't as strong of a league as it usually is uh during like non-covid times in my opinion that's that's a very good point 
um, and going to where the Amherst stand. They have played 24 games. Uh, they have 32 points, which is second in their division. Um, they have a couple. They've played three more games than the Utica Comets that are ahead of them. The Utica Comets. I'm pretty. Sure they still only have one regulation loss, which was to the Amherst. So that's just kind of. That's kind of annoying because their Twitter account annoys me. But we're not going to go into that. Um, we so basically, I mean, they're they don't really have many, like the next team behind them is has 24 points, which is the Toronto Marlies and. Pretty sure the Marlies were using guys from like the U Sports, like Canadian college leagues or teams or something. I saw some, yeah, some, <laughs> some, uh, not Amherst, some Maple Leafs reporter said some guy from like Ryerson University, I believe it is. Um, oh, yeah, Ryerson, Ryerson, excuse me, yeah, Ryerson, Ryerson, yeah. Um, it's and like a last name. story about the, the ECHL goalie that played on like the club team and. Uh, for Grand Canyon University, and he's home for winter break, and a ECHL team signed him to a one-game contract, and he won a game for them. That's wild. We're gonna have like a. I feel before this year is out, we're gonna have another David Ayer story. Some kind of like a goalie was a goalie was pulled right before the game, and so the emergency backup was just just had to be the backup, and then some guy like unfortunately takes like a puck off the neck or something like that, like in a weird play, or like kind of gets twisted up in like a battle in front, and then here comes like some guy to go play like two periods or something like that, and, and ends up winning. Um, yeah, I mean it's always the coolest thing in hockey because there's really no other sport where just some like some regular person. guy could just play a pro game. <laughs> I mean he was like. It's like having an accountant or something like that. Like, yeah, this guy just like debugged our our computer system for. He's like our IT guy, and now he's between the pipes. Like three hours later, it's <laughs> absolutely wild. Um, yeah. Going on to like the lighter side, I don't know exactly if this is the lighter side of. I guess like the Sabers game the other night is. There were some cards thrown on the ice. <laughs> and, this is a saga that deserves at least a little bit of diving into. So indulge us, if you will. Um, what is it? I, it was the 29th, so that was, uh, holy crap, it's Friday. It was Wednesday night. It's like towards the end of the game, and there's like a stoppage, and I was something was on the ice. At first glance, I was doing something that I wasn't 100% paying attention to the game, but I looked over, I was like, oh no, it's someone like, I honestly thought someone might have like thrown up on the ice. It was like a far shot. I saw something like right in front of the door, and I've I've been part of teams where like we were having like bag skates or something like that, or it was like our first workout, and things have guys have not gotten off the ice. Let's just say that, um, not fun. And so I was like, oh no, hopefully it's not it. And I was like, no way, like that's just that's crazy. That, that's not it. And they zoom in, it's freaking playing cards, and one of them's like stuck to the wall, because like you you get a little get a little water on those, and you can stick them to the wall easy. Um, so there's a bunch of cards. Looks like looks like some kind of magic cards. It looks like there might have been like a little dice or something like that in there too, on like the far yeah. left side. If you look at the picture, um, so I'm not exactly sure what was going on there. And then you were, I believe you're the one that that posted about it or or quote tweeted Kevin Snow um, at KW Snow. If you're listening to this, I'm looking at your Twitter page right now. Um, dude in my section at the Sabres game threw his phone and wallet on the ice in the third period. I've been to a lot of sporting events, never seen that in my life. Um, and so someone asked, uh, did he have the Pokemon cards or whatever they were, um, in his wallet or 
was that a different thrower? And he responds basically saying, he just started unloading contents of his wallet. Usher took him away without any issue. So odd. Now, before we say anything, if this is like a kind of like a mental health thing, I, I hope everything is okay. If you're having mental health issues, please seek help. But I also view this as if someone falls and they get up and they're not hurt, you laugh. <laughs> and I'm laughing because I'm sorry, what? <laughs> I yeah, mean, again, just... it, it doesn't sound, it sounds like something a little bit more serious, but to chuck a bunch of cards on the, like, what is going on, <laughs> man? Like, that's going to get you banned. You're not coming back, probably. Yeah. I mean, there's one guy. One guy after I posted the picture, uh, Ryan Zawadzinski, he claims that he thinks the cards are Grateful Dead playing cards. And I looked up Grateful Dead playing cards on Amazon, and they kind of look somewhat similar to those. So, I mean, I don't know, he's have a pack of Grateful Dead playing cards in his pocket. I mean, if you're going <laughs> to throw stuff on the ice, I mean, maybe minus like a jersey or like whatever you had like like your bottle or cup or whatever if you're not going to throw something on that or like remember when the thri- flyers threw all those like wristbands for like their for dan schneider um oh, or yeah. schneider who who ended up passing away and the flyers are getting crapped on by the capitals and they just started chucking all these things and they were like impossible to see on the ice there's um, a rats in florida the octopus yeah. in detroit but, the playing cards in buffalo yeah i mean if you're going to if you're going to throw something on the ice like if you're going to say what band's cards were they I'm probably guessing the Grateful Dead probably guessing yeah. the Grateful Dead cards that seems like Grateful Dead fan activities right there I mean magic I don't know what Magic the Gathering is it's set, to me that sounded right I thought I was like oh these are definitely some kind of magic cards because you can see oh, I guess the in that picture the ref's blocking it but I mean, yeah, it's if, hard to tell because yeah. if you go on, I think they're on Barnes and Noble. There's like uh, Grateful Dead playing cards. They look kind of similar. I mean, they don't. They I thought they're Magic cards at first, but they don't have like the same like backing that okay, the Magic so. the Gathering cards do, and they don't have like the same backing that Yu-Gi-Oh or Pokemon do. So they're unless there's some like obscure board game. Yeah, definitely. Some there's kind like of... a there's a die on the ice. So yeah, see, that's what I, I, <laughs> I saw. Okay, so I'm, I was the only one that saw that. I was like, there's like some kind of dice. So I, 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 I don't know. I mean, I'm looking at the Grateful Dead ones right now. Um, and good Lord. Um, I don't I don't think so. I really, I, I don't think so. I'm sorry if you're hearing me like type or click on stuff. It's just I don't have a laptop, so I can't make it quiet. Um, man, I mean, this is, this is, this is also not, God, I don't really want to. I don't really want to get into this because I definitely don't condone this either. But like, this is not the same as the Buffalo dildo, like the Tom Brady dildo <laughs> thing. Like, that's that's what was thrown on the field. Okay, um, let's not start throwing stuff <laughs> on fields or, or ice, especially when they're playing cards. Or yeah, that's dangerous. That can yeah. be really dangerous on skates. <laughs> yeah, that can be really dangerous. I mean, remember what I was saying about the Dan Snyder thing with the Flyers? Like those things, were, they were yeah. wristbands. I was living in Philly. At, I think I was living in Philly at the time, and they were like white wristbands, and they threw them onto white ice, 
And so they just had to keep circling and circling and circling. And then oh, wow, when, <laughs> when they thought it was over, fans just kept throwing them to the point where like Ovi and Wayne Simmons were just standing there. Someone's kept throwing. And there's like that clip of them just like, stop, please stop. We just want to finish this game. <laughs> the Flyers getting crapped on. They don't want to keep sitting out there while fans are throwing stuff on the ice. So, And it was also yeah. like in remembrance of someone. So that was pretty – it was it was typical Philadelphia. Let's just say that. So, um, so there you go. Doing Santa Claus. I mean, we had Santa Claus, uh, you know, go by our house in, when I was in Buffalo for the holidays. I thought about it. I thought about it. <laughs> by the way, they like I understand maybe they were just trying to, to get through it or they didn't see a lot of people out. But, like, I first heard the siren. I was like, oh, crap. Like, I think they're coming. I go outside. They flew by. They raced oh, yeah. by. That was my neighborhood, too. I mean, this is my first year living in the North Towns, and I heard a siren, so I looked outside, and this is a fire truck going, like, 35. Yeah, they like were. Santa waving at people. People are trying to run out of their yeah. front door to see it, and they already missed it. Yeah, you're, it was like the uh, Atlanta Braves uh, yeah. tour bus that would just, like, cruise by. They're like, we saw the we saw the team for, like, three seconds. When it's, like, a parade, you're, like, automatically on, like, two miles an hour. Um, oh god. Anyway, I think we've gotten off track when we talk about magic cards and Santas and the Atlanta <laughs> Braves World Series win. But um, <laughs> when it comes to the World Junior Championship, I'm really going to just kind of let you talk about whatever. Um, I think it sucks that it got canceled. I don't really know the full details of everything, so I don't want to comment too much. But it, from everything I do know, it sounds like it was stupid to cancel it. Um, should have just played it. Maybe if there might not have been a ton of fans. It sounded like they already spent a ton of money, so might as well just try to play it. Is basically what what it came down to. But again, I don't know all the information, so I'm not going to claim like I do. So, um, when it comes to the players, when it comes to the teams, just your general thoughts on it. Take it away. I mean, kind of my main problem with it is, I mean, really just with the way the IIHF kind of handled like the overall situation. I mean, they saw the uptick in cases. I mean, they they had the World Juniors in a bubble last year, and it worked. I mean, just to have, I mean, really just like the hotel situation with, I believe it was USA and Sweden were staying in a hotel where there was like a public wedding with a bunch of people there. I mean, a bunch of people from the outside world they came in contact with. So they had kind of like a quasi-bubble, but not really a full bubble. When you're playing a two-week tournament, uh, I mean, it's just so important to make sure not even a single person gets a COVID case because that could derail the whole thing. I mean, it, and once we saw, I believe it was with Switzerland, uh, with the one COVID case they had in the pre-tournament games, it was kind of like, oh no, this is probably not going to end well. I mean, and then obviously it didn't. I mean, the tournament got canceled. I mean, there's some talks about possibly moving it to the summer. I mean, even then though, that's still such a huge loss for probably a bunch of TV networks because I mean, I know for me personally, really just the world juniors during this uh, time between Christmas and New Year's and the few days after is really, I mean, it's like tradition. I mean, it's like, it's something you always have on TV in the background. So uh, maybe it'll do well if they do it in like May or the summer, but I feel like at the same time, it won't be as talked about an event. It'll be even more niche than it usually is. So Really, at the end of the day, I mean, it's really just a disaster for the IIHF. And I mean, kind of how they canceled the women's U18s yeah. really gave no good explanation for that, uh, even though they tried to push forward with the World Juniors at the same time. Uh, it's 
really hasn't been a good week for them. I mean, really, it's kind of just embarrassing that this is where, uh, I mean, this is like who handles like international hockey. I mean, it's just a kind of embarrassing week for them all around. This, this is something I've learned. This is not even necessarily hockey or Sabres related. The older I get, the more I see, like the more I realize that like professionals and like, you know, like people of authority and stuff like that are just making it up as they go along. Like this, it, yeah. it just, it, I'm like, what? You cancel all no those. plan at all for yeah. the bubble or anything. No. I mean, it's kind of just, what? they had no plan if somebody tested positive. Like, how do we make sure nobody else does? I mean, then we saw Team USA too. I mean, those rules were in place where uh, if your roommate tests positive, you have to quarantine too. Team USA puts two of their goalies in the same room. I mean, it feels like there wasn't the protocol wasn't communicated well uh, between the teams. I, it's just, I just want it to be over. It's just, yeah. <laughs> we we just wanna we just wanna watch the World Juniors and not have to have it get canceled. We don't want we want to be able to watch the U eighteen women's World Juniors and not it get canceled. Yeah. Like, come on, guys. I I again, I don't really I don't know much about what goes into any of these tournaments in general so like i don't really want to say but like just make it fair make it equal it's just it was a really bad look and it's if you're if you're going to have a men's tournament you should have a women's tournament it's just yeah it's just what should be done it's just it's right it doesn't matter about money it's what's right yeah i mean that's kind of what i mean that's kind of what sport boils down to i mean it's not all about profit at the end of the day and i mean i'm pretty sure IHF is an organization that's not shouldn't be about making a profit. So I mean, it's kind of just like the purity of sport. I mean, once you boil it down to whether this makes money or not make money in terms of prioritizing whether you should cancel something, I mean, just makes no sense. I mean, I've watched the U18 women's tournament before. I mean, I've watched uh, U18 USA camp for the women's team back when they had it in Lake Placid a few summers back. I stopped by to watch some of those games. I mean. Those girls are really impressive. I mean, it's so good. entertaining to watch with their skill level, with oh everything. God. I mean, all they got to do is put these guys on TV. I mean, maybe ESPN Plus, just find a way to get, like, some of these games on there. I mean, I know they have with some of the pro leagues, but, yeah. I mean, the more exposure the sports gets, I mean, the more that people are going to watch it because the women's game, I think, is just as fun as the men's. They're good, man. They're really good, and they're really competitive. I mean, I remember I was – there's a girl – that we played with, I think I don't think she she doesn't produce much, but she plays for like Boston Pride or something like that. She's just she's disgusting. Like she probably could have played on the varsity team. She was a little bit smaller, but she probably could have played on our varsity team. She was that good. I mean, they're like these women are incredible athletes. Like they're so good, it's unbelievable. And and to just kind of stifle that over what seems like the I IIHF going looking at fifa being like i feel like we can do some of that just like making a ton of money it's just it's yeah uh, you know you you don't want that to happen to your sport because soccer's not my sport so it's like if the fifa is doing something it's yeah. like yeah that's that's bad that's whatever but you know that's kind of their thing but this is hockey this is you know more personal to me so it, it was tough to see um you know it's not about profit it's about what's right so if you're going to cancel them you might as well cancel all of them which i guess at the end of the day I guess they did cancel all of them, but uh, the damage was already done. So, um, speak, yeah. I mean, we did see Own Power score a power play. Or power play. 
<laughs> score a hat trick. I think he did score on the power play, but that's not what I was trying to say. Uh, I, think, um, I think he had two like five on three goals or something. Yeah, well, I don't know exactly what was going on, but I was like, how do you keep giving up five on threes to Canada? It's probably yeah. not going to end up too well for you. Again, I don't know what happened. I, I, I know there are streams out there. I just I didn't. I was like, whatever. I'll be honest. I was so many, uh, so many times I've I've just been like, oh. Canada, like I'll like hop on Twitter or something like that in the middle of the day during work or something like that, and I'm like, oh, Canada's up like five two on the Czech Republic, and it's in the middle of the third period. Whoops, didn't know they were even playing. So, <laughs> yeah, like when it comes to the the prospects that you did see, like I know Isaac Rosine only had like an assist, and Owen Power obviously played really well. Um, did you watch any Jacob Konechny? Who else was there? Um, there's one other player. Oh, uh, Novikov. Novikov, thank you. Um, sounded like he he did relatively okay in his prelim game, or I guess he didn't play in the prelim game. But in in the game he was playing, I saw Austin mention something about him uh, having better hands than than expected, which is nice for for a big guy. But just wanted to get your thoughts on on the players that played for the Sabres organization. Yeah, I mean, really, I, there weren't too many games to really evaluate them based off no. of. But I mean, Owen Power, I thought looked exactly like you would expect him to look like playing against this level of competition. I think he's definitely going to be maybe even effective NHL player next year. Uh, I mean, really just, he's just so fun to watch just because of his size and like really what he's able to do with passing the puck and moving the puck. I mean, really not a lot of guys like that. I mean, that's one of the reasons why he was the first overall pick last year, despite his stats not really blowing you out of the water. I mean, really just going to be such an interesting NHL player to watch going forward. I mean, if I was an NHL coaching staff, I'd just love to be able to work with a guy like Owen Power and try to develop him into, I mean, kind of just a beast of a number one defenseman. And oh, then, absolutely. I mean, Rosine, really just the, the speed he played with, I mean, really just everything. It, that was impressive, but it wasn't, it was a little sporadic. I mean, he didn't really get the greatest amount of ice time. Once again, that's always been a kind of a problem with him, but the, he did show some impressive flashes. He will be back at this tournament next year, so I do expect him to be in a bigger role next year, but at the same time, you want to see just a little bit more from a guy you picked at a 13. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Small sample. I, I feel like he hasn't even, like, all he does is practice. He doesn't get any playing time unless he's playing, like, the juniors over there in Sweden, yeah. so, like, I don't know. <laughs> At this, like at some point, just bring him. Like maybe not this year, just because like the year's already halfway over, and just keep him at home with his family and friends and all that stuff. But like maybe next year, if this if the same thing's gonna happen, just bring him over to Rochester. Why not? Like yeah. I don't I don't see why you why the Sabres wouldn't be like all right, we're gonna take him from here because you guys obviously like you're trying to play your you know you're trying to I get it, you know SHL teams like they're trying to win their league and they have a bunch of veterans and you know young guys. You know, one small mistake can cost you a game, blah, blah, blah. But, like, it's not helping us, so, like, might as well do what helps us and, and try to get him over here. So, yeah, um, I mean, when it comes to Owen Power, oh, God, I, I didn't want to say this. I'm not making fun of him. It's just, it's so, it's, as I, again, this is, like, a, as I get older thing, it's just so, it's funny to look at someone that's so big yet looks so young. He looks yeah. so young, but he's a monster. He's so big. Yeah. And it's it's just he yeah I mean like the the highlights I saw which like don't really show all of the game they just kind of show like an assist or a goal or something like that I, he looked exactly as he should 
dominating guys, and I mean, as you should, on Canada at the World Juniors as a 6'6", first overall pick defenseman. Like, yeah, he looked exactly how he should. So um, good for him. I mean, I'm glad he was able to at least play a couple games for Canada. I mean, it absolutely was not how he wanted it to go um, because I don't. Th- he's definitely not eligible next year. Um, and I don't know if the Sabres would want to give him up for it anyway. So uh, isn't that what happened with Moritz Seider? In Germany, uh, like, or is he? Yeah, is I mean, he he was, I think he was he was in the AHL, and I mean, he was expected was to be there. Yeah, with Paterka and Reichel. Uh, okay. Oh no, Reichel, Reichel is injured. Paterka and Stutzla, yeah. but uh, they ended up not sending him, which was kind of disappointing. But I mean, now that he's doing so well in the NHL, I mean, maybe you could kind of see why. But it's kind of thing with Germany. I feel like not their top guys not wanting to go because I mean, this year too. I mean, like Paterka could have went, he ended up not going. Yeah, I mean, well, kind of turns out that I, I don't know. Yeah, it turned like, out I'm, to be the right decision. Yeah, like but. I'm sure he, I'm sure he wanted to play for Germany and all that stuff, and playing for your country's got to be awesome. Like I, I would love it, but at the same time, he was also getting his first NHL game, so he's like, I think I'll take, I'll, I'll take that trade off. So, um, yeah, hopefully he, uh, you know, hopefully he can kind of stick around for a little bit. Again, like at the end of the day, I do want all, as many guys going down to Rochester for that playoff run as possible. Like, I don't want to take away from the guys that have been sacrificing um, and, and playing super hard for the coaching staff down there in Rochester. I definitely don't want to take away from guys like, you know, fringe guys like Bureau and, and other guys that, you know, might get in the lineup, might not, stuff like that. But at the end of the day, um, you know, it's about getting – meaningful experience for these young guys you know Krebs Paterka Quinn um I mean they seem to really like Sean Malone in the organization so maybe he's still on his way to to carving out a a bottom six role at some point in the future maybe um yeah I mean the thing that interests me is Rochester I mean they're pretty comfortably in a playoff spot now but like how long this kind of like back and forth between like the taxi squads and like the call-ups due to COVID is going to go on for like how much that will affect Rochester particularly relative to other teams. I mean, probably not much, but it's definitely going to be kind of a mixed bag for the rest of the regular season. So hopefully they're able to keep up how they've been playing and uh, kind of work out a playoff spot. I mean, they got guys like Michael Mersch and Sean Malone who have been just fantastic in the AHL this season. I mean, they're still down there. They're not on, taxi squad or anything so hopefully guys like that could kind of help push them through the playoffs and then uh this spring hopefully we could have a fun playoff run to look forward to in rochester which we haven't had in literally like 17 years yeah i mean i remember (laughs) we it was like the year that they did really really well in the standings and we went to like one of the playoff games my friends and i and we were super pumped and they it did not go well, and they, I think they got swept and stuff. It was yeah. Bad. I think the Marlies uh, they got Jeremy Bracco like wrecked them. <laughs> yeah, Jeremy Bracco. I was looking the other day; he's tearing it up still down there. So he seems like one of those guys that is just forever going to be in the AHL, just crushing it, and then maybe you know team bounce around from probably like team to team maybe a little bit and, and try to get some NHL games. But he's just going to be someone that just absolutely destroys in the. Uh, in the AHL. Yeah, he's so. like a minor minor league all-star pretty much. <laughs> yeah, which, I mean, at the end of the day, like, you can make a living, you know, being especially yeah. if you're like a veteran, you know, you can make like $250,000 a year and stuff like that, or, or maybe even more if you can get a, an NHL contract of some kind or something like that. Yeah, um, get the summers off too. Summers nice off, job. Yeah. <laughs> um, You know, and like, if you play in a place like Rochester, they really love the Amherst. Um, You know, you play in a, and a couple other places, uh, 
around. I'm sure Utica really loves their team in Syracuse and all that stuff. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think at some point it's a it's it's a good testament to guys like Michael Mersh and Sean Malone and God, who are some other other veterans down there? Oh man, if I look at a roster, I can name them, but now for the life of me, I can't. Uh, you but... got. I mean, those are really probably the main two. Yeah. I mean, you obviously had Ethan Prow, who they just called up. Yeah. He was kind of a veteran guy down there, but yeah. Let me see who else is is on the oh, team. Oh, Brandon right Davidson. He's been hurt. He's been hurt. Yeah, he's, oh, been, he's, he's been hurt for a while. Um, yeah, because I was like, he's like a borderline NHL guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's he's been down for for a little bit. Um, apparently, they really like Mason Jobst. I believe his name is. They, oh, they really yeah, like he's him pretty. Out. He's pretty good. Pretty he's, good guy at Ohio State. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Dominic Franco, uh, forgot about him as well. Man, uh, Ryan Scarfo. Yep, that's Jimmy Schultz. Oh man, they had Tishke. Wow, Samuelson's. Yep, Samuelson's down there. Um, they, man. Yeah, they still got a pretty decent group down there. I mean, obviously, yeah. there's a bunch of new names with uh, those Trouts. I mean, you got Butris Gafari. I love that uh, name. I love that yeah, name. Yeah, Ara Narzarian. I, yeah, he got he, some great he, I think it was his first now. HL game, and he got his his first goal. So that's pretty cool for him. Um, yeah, that's I don't I don't even know where these guys are from. Um, I did want to get and into most a little of them bit are of, just like ECHL guys, so it's pretty cool yeah. to see them get a chance at a higher level. For sure, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, it gives it gives guy like guys like Picard and Samuelson like more responsibility which is like hey if you're going to be a yeah. prospect of the Sabres let's at least put you in those situations and stuff like that especially for a guy like Picard where it's kind of like everyone was like yeah maybe he can you know be a fourth line pest on the Sabres now it's like yeah uh, maybe he could be Brad Marchand <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah I mean oh man that was that was a bit much but got um, nine points in 46 AHL games <laughs> that's tough that's tough but uh, let's get into a little bit of prospects talk because um yeah, I mean, there's there's been a couple interesting things. So I was listening to, oh man, uh, I don't remember what I was listening to, but Pey- they said like last year Peyton Krebs was talking about he had to play defense. Well, we found out from actually Josh Bloom's father um, that Josh Bloom was playing defense against, I believe Flint was it for Saginaw. Oh, yeah, and it's just <laughs> like man, I mean, it's it's interesting that it's it's happening all over the the sports world and like. Guys are having to do we- like people are having to do weird stuff. Like you know, like a really good forward, a drafted forward, like Josh Bloom is playing defense, which I'm sure he did fine at. But um, I've as as like a defenseman, it was always funny to see whenever they called back like we needed a forward or something like that, and all these forwards would, you know, they don't know how to play defense, and they're like, you know, go out there and they're like, oh man, this is a lot harder than I thought. I'm like, yeah, yeah, it is. It's just interesting yeah. to see like. OHL teams or ECHL teams or AHL teams, stuff like that. Remember when, like, I mean, Brandon Montour was playing forward sometimes for the Sabres. Like, Casey yeah, Fitzgerald was playing forward. Too. Yeah, for a good amount of games. Casey Fitzgerald was doing the same, and now he's playing with the Sabres. Like, he started as, like, a fourth-line winger, and now he's playing with the Sabres. And, yeah. like, that one game, he was a wrecking ball out there. So, I mean, it's just it's, yeah, I mean, like, it's, it's awesome to see. I mean, the really cool thing about Saginaw, actually, with Josh Bloom playing defense, is that I I highly recommend watching a Saginaw game if anyone gets a chance to, because they're just kind of such a unique playing style type of team and a lot of good prospects, too. But, I mean, their defensemen are always activating in the offensive zone, so it's almost like positionless hockey. So I think it's 
almost somewhat cool for Bloom to get that type of experience. I mean, obviously it's a huge change and it's probably forced upon like with like COVID cases and all that for him to have to play there. But I mean, you wonder if like playing some of these guys in defense at juniors, I mean, gives them a new look and helps them out in other areas of their games. Cause like when Krebs was down in the WHL when he was playing defense, like he pretty much was like obviously way too good for that league. So I think, for same. those guys to get a little bit of a different look, I mean, it could almost be useful sometimes. Oh, absolutely. I definitely think it could be useful because what do we preach? We want to see Darlene. We want to see, and especially you're, you've seen it already and you know it's coming. Owen Power, he's always around the net and he's going in yeah. deep into the <laughs> offensive zone. You want to have forwards that know how to play defense. So that's a good thing. I mean, like, again, this maybe not perfect for your stats because you, like, you're just not going to get as many you know, goals yeah. or assists. And maybe that's some you know some you know what some people – base your development or like you know he hasn't scored in the past five games why is that most well, because he's playing freaking defense <laughs> um <laughs> stuff like that but um no i i definitely think it's a good thing because you want to see guys like essentially like what saginaw is doing you got you want to see your defense activated in the offense like you can't play three on five in the offensive zone or or on in transitions you need to make sure that you have a constant offensive pressure that's something that granado is has preached and and we've seen in their game um, and so being able to to cover on defense and, and do an adequate job of it, I mean, that's just – it's irreplaceable experience because you're doing it in a yeah. game. You can do it in practice all you want, but he's doing it in games, and that's a good thing. Um, yeah, you know, I think it's going to be interesting with the Sabres too. I mean, with the guy like Power coming in, I mean, like you talked about before, how much he loves to activate. I mean, we saw him on the penalty kill. He drove towards the net to create a passing lane and almost scored it, just stuff like that. I think and you almost kind of hope for like a dog and like a old dog with a brand new puppy situation kind of with Darlene and power. Like maybe a guy like power comes in and he's always being aggressive in the offensive zone, always driving. And maybe he gets Darlene to start playing that way again. That would be sweet. I mean, that would, I, I like, I think it's going to be an underrated thing going in is the relationship between those two. And I'm not saying like, there's going to be tension. No, I'm actually, hopefully saying the opposite i if they can become like really close and and especially like on ice chemistry or whatever i i think they can be really good for the both of them like i think that's yeah they can Darlene can even go up to power and be like hey this is kind of what i went through and my development and this is kind of where i'm at and you know people have questioned me and stuff which it seems like he's kind of back you know i mean he he had that one good play where he broke up i don't know who was coming down on him and then sent the LU pass to Tage, who who finished. Oh, but yeah. Shout out to Tage for finishing. That was old school Darlene. <laughs> yeah, that was old school Darlene, and you love to see it. So, um, you know, if Power can come in and, and kind of reignite that. I mean, there's iron sharpens iron. And I think anyone that's looked back, and this is the best example I have, is when Martin Biron was backing up for Ryan Miller, that was the best Ryan Miller ever played. Do you know why? Because Marty Biron was a starting goalie on yeah other teams like half other teams like immediately when he was traded to philly they're like you're our starter we're committing to you and so like that's if you have someone like power pushing him and pushing him and pushing him and they're getting creative and they're you know not experimenting on the experimenting in practice is what i should say i don't want to say like experimenting in games because that's a little that's a little dicey you don't really want to do that all too much but um (laughs) I, I only think that's a good thing. Um, I don't necessarily. I know last uh, last episode we mentioned like maybe you can make him expendable. Maybe power brings out the best in him, and you're like, no way, we should make him expendable. We need these two because, I mean, 
at the end of like you know Darlene can play 27 minutes a night there's still plenty of of ice time left out there you're gonna need someone that's really really solid on your on your second pairing or maybe it's the other way around power plays at 27 minutes and then you know Darlene and his partner takes up a bunch and then you just have a a couple you know role players as your your third pairing guys you know like a guy like Samuelson and I don't know Bryson I don't like your power plays are set up you have Darlene and power there's your power plays there's your pivots at the power play but when it comes to the penalty kill you're probably going to want a guy like Samuelson or Samuelson and like Hag or something like that you know what I mean where they're not getting a ton of five on five time but the second a penalty comes up you know you can take off guys like maybe, you know, Darlene doesn't have to play the penalty kill. You'll have like Samuelson and Yoki Haru out there or something. Um, I mean, am I kind of barking up the right tree here? I'm just trying to throw stuff at the wall and see if it sticks here. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see how they use both of them. I mean, I think it's been pretty obvious that they probably can't move like Darlene to the right side. Like that's kind of something I kind of wanted to see a little bit. Like yeah. maybe like just toss him out on just one pair. But I think... I mean, definitely a star off. I think we're definitely going to see both of them at the left-hand side. In terms of partners, uh, i just love for the Sabres to try to get Troy Stetcher, who, uh, I mean, power played amazing with him at the World Championships for Canada. And he's going to be a free agent this offseason. They probably get him for really cheap. He'd be a nice kind of depth guy to fill out that right side to play with power. Nice. And, I mean, Darlene, it's just kind of developmental puzzle i mean he's got everything there at this point it's just all about using it and using it in an effective way and we've seen the sabers be able to turn tage thompson into effective players so i don't see why they really can't find a development plan to or really just kind of just usage or really anything just to kind of extract the most out of rasmus Dahlin that they can and yeah i mean like we were talking about before i think owen power Hopefully when he comes in, he could be the guy that kind of just gives him that extra push that kind of brings back the old Darlene. I mean, it's kind of weird that we're talking about a guy that's 21 years old, like talking about the old version of him when he was 18 because yeah. that version was, was better, which yeah. is just like insane. But it's also insane that he was able to do that at 18. So, I mean, yeah, I guess we'll see what happens next year. I mean, next year is going to be such a fun year with development and everything. Absolutely. Is there any other prospect you do want to to go over? I'm on the prospects tracker, stat tracker on the Charging Buffalo, um, which by I the mean, way, it's been, yeah, that, yeah, the prospect tracker, awesome resource to yeah, check out. Super, super cool. Uh, really, it really hasn't been too many guys that have been playing that many games. Yeah. I mean, there's still been some games in Russia. I mean, Kisikov's been heating up a little bit, but at yeah. the same time. He's kind of supposed to do that because he's a year past his draft year playing in the MHL league that he tore up last year. So, it's, I mean, obviously it's encouraging to see him get those numbers back up to last year's level. But he's not at a point of game. Same by the time, way. he's yeah, you still want to see like just a little bit more from him. But I mean, he's still got a long way to go with his development. Yeah, I think. I mean, you know, we we discussed that a couple episodes back. Um, you know, just kind of how long term that can be. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we don't see Kisikov over here for another three years. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, it's just play the long game. You know, you hope you hope it doesn't turn into one of those things where he go they go long enough where they just become um, an unrestricted free agent and they can just sign wherever and, like, that that happens. I, I don't know exactly the rules on that, so I could I also it, be worried I about nothing. I think Russia... 
Yeah, I think Russia, I don't know for sure, but I'm pretty sure there's like some weird rule where the, you own the player's rights indefinitely. Oh, is that why like some of the like there's like Russian players from like drafted from 2004 that the Sabres still have the rights of? Yeah, like whenever they show like the healthy scratches on like some like NHL things, it's always like some Russian that yeah. retired in like 2003 that the Sabres drafted like 1999. Yeah. So <laughs> I think when you see a lot of Russian guys transition the NHL but on a different team you usually see like the team like trade their rights I mean I believe that happened with like Gusev I know that happened with uh was Panarin undrafted Maxi Mammon yeah he was undrafted so he was so he just tore it up after his draft year yeah Yeah. and he was like good at the world juniors too but he went undrafted like three times I think oh god I mean that's I mean, it's fair to like draft overagers if if you really think it's gonna. I mean, it's just such a such a gamble anyway. I don't know. I mean, it's it's all hindsight. Like, how could you how could you miss drafting this Panarin yeah. guy? But it's just like, hey, whatever. I mean, a bunch of people missed on yeah, Brady I mean, like, too. Yeah, like a seventh round pick on Panarin though. I mean, I feel like the guy that's doing good at the World Juniors for like a powerhouse like Russia, and he, I'm pretty sure he won a gold medal with. I think it was like Kuznetsov, Grigorenko, Tarasenko on that team. Really? How can you? I'll pull it up right now. He had yeah, just pull like yeah. throw throw a flyer on him. Maybe I mean yeah, screw twenty one points in forty KHL games that year, and then twenty points. I'm sorry, twenty points in forty. Yeah, twenty one and forty. So half point per game player, five and seven at the World Juniors, and he was. I mean, they, they had to be looking at size. They had to be. Yeah. They had to be like, he's I mean, too small, he can't do it. And it's just like, I, he's, I have yeah. a point of game at 19 years old. Like, you don't think that's worthy of a late-round pick? I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to get mad. How could the Sabres, how could the Sabres do this? Oh, God. Come yeah. on, Ralph. Ralph. Come on, man. Um, yeah, Panarin would have joined that year with uh, Eichel and O'Reilly's first year. That event accrued to add in one offseason. Unbelievable. This is why the Sabres aren't good. <laughs> you didn't take a seventh round flyer on Artemi Panarin. Unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable. <laughs> we can, this is why we can't have nice things. <laughs> things have things have deteriorated quickly when I start blaming the Sabres and specifically <laughs> Ralph Kruger for not drafting Artemi Panarin back in what? Twenty ten? I don't freaking I don't even know at this point. Um Yeah. I mean, what else is there really to, to discuss? Got the prospects going. I'm just kind of going down the the list of prospects here. I mean, Matteo Constantini is doing pretty well. Um, in our face, uh, Ryan Johnson. He's kind of cooled off. He kind of started out hot with his point production, but I don't. Yeah, he's, he's like so... a weird guy at this point production because yeah. like he plays everything perfectly, but the points really aren't there. But he's a guy that could still be a really good NHL guy without those points. So it's a bit yeah. of a weird prospect there yeah like something and there are times where you see him being jumping up in the play it's not that he's like not trying to play yeah. offensively he's like some you know pucks aren't going in for him or um you know even you know maybe he's just kind of removed from from getting assists or something like that for his team but he's on the ice or, or whatever we don't have too many stats specifically on that but i mean just his skating ability his his hockey iq and the way he just closes off transitions and keeps low danger, you know, high danger shots to such a minimum um, in, in his own defensive end, obviously. I, I mean, like, there's just, there's an NHL player there. Like, every team needs, like, at the end of the day, like, if you have someone that can genuinely make a difference on the defensive end, like, you, teams are willing to 
sacrifice offense. And again, like that's not, I remember there's a clip from world juniors. who's playing for the United States and he, he does this little, he like side cuts. He's like opens up his hips and he like side cuts like halfway across the ice while containing all of his speed and flies into the offensive zone. I'm like, dude, if you can freaking yeah. do that in the NHL, holy shit. Like, I mean, <laughs> I, I'm sorry, but like, you've got, it was so impressive. I mean, it's just, he, yeah, he might need a little bit of time to like bulk up and, and get used to the professional game. Definitely sign him after this year. Do not let him go into his senior year unless he's like, I will sign with you after my senior year. I just want to do that or whatever. Yeah, I believe he's a junior. No. I wouldn't even trust the guy if they said that. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. frankly, I wouldn't either. You don't take him at his word. Just sign the guy if he needs some time in Rochester. if I wonder if he's like, if you st- do you think prospects, um, when it comes to college and they're juniors, they're like, okay, well, I will sign with you, but I'm not playing in the AHL. If you send me down, we're going to have some issues. Or is it one of those things where like, team just, the teams just sign them anyway, and they're like, okay, what are you going to do about it now? We have you signed. You have to go down. What are you going to not report? Kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, I'm pretty sure that's what happened with Casey Middlestack. Because if I remember correctly, I think he had some clause in his contract regarding being sent down to the AHL. Because I remember the Sabres oh. played him a few games that one season they signed him. I think he had three points in three games. Yeah. I don't know if the Amherst were still playing after, but the Sabres, I don't think, sent him down at that time. Like, he didn't play with Rochester until they sent him down, like, uh, in that Ralph Kruger year. So I think, like, I remember mm. right away, I think there was like some agreement with Rochester, but I don't know for certain. That's interesting. Well, we'll have to figure some, get um, get some kind of guess that might yeah. know a little bit more about that on. Um, but which... I mean, Johnson's interesting because I mean, like, honestly, I didn't even think about it until you brought it up, but yeah, he could honestly just say, I'm going back to college next year and, and walk. be a free agent. Yeah, I mean, I yeah. really hope it doesn't come to that. Um, I think that's when it comes to top priority of getting guys signed he's got to be the top because like oh yeah. power you still have like he's gonna sign like i think ryan johnson is probably your top priority when it comes to getting signed like he's the most worried i am about leaving because like you said he can just be like no i'm good i'm good yeah I, i'm not and then he I'm not sees that he sees that left hand side of the defense too yeah. I mean, maybe he sees that darlene and power and be like how am i gonna eventually fit in here because these guys will be here for like a decade plus if they're not traded yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's it's almost like a good problem to have, I guess. Maybe they can say like, "Hey, you're going to be our third third line guy. You're going to be first uh, first penalty kill, and um, you know we're just going to roll these these three lines. You're going to get plenty of ice time. Don't worry about it." Kind of thing. Yeah. And like maybe. I mean, who knows? Like this is all a personality thing too, because he yeah. could he could be totally selfless. Like we don't know Ryan Johnson personally, so like he could just be like, "Yeah, uh, yeah, I'll sign with you. Yeah, no problem. Cool. Yeah, let's do it." Let's do it. And you guys drafted me. Thank you for drafting me. But you guys are offering me a contract. Let's do it, man. So, like, it could go either way. We could be making a big thing of, like, oh, my God, he could say, like, screw you. I'm out of here. And then he could go sign with Tampa Bay and, oh, my God, or, like, whatever. I don't yeah, know why with, I the, like, with the Adam Fox situation, I mean, yeah. that's got to suck to be a Carolina or a Calgary fan. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, I mean, let's just hope it doesn't come to that. And I, Adam Fox and Ryan Johnson are a little bit different, um, but it's the yeah. same is the concept is the concept. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. I like, I, I didn't even need to clarify that. I think people are well aware of that. Yeah. But, um, yeah I mean, if it was a Fox situation, I'd be devastated yeah. if the Sabres had a guy like that. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. That's like Owen power saying, no, screw you. I'm not yeah. coming. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, that that's, it is important. It really is. Um, that's, that is a first round draft pick in a, in a not great deal to put it mildly. <laughs> um, I, I don't want to curse again. Um, and, and yeah, like that's a first round pick. That's an asset that you just can't let just go. I mean, yeah. you, just, you, you just can't do it. I mean, it was almost ROR for Tage straight up would be the deal at that point. <laughs> oh my God. I mean, I love you, Tage. You're, you're playing well. I have nothing. And, uh, by the way, he's having a kid. Good for him. Congratulations oh, to yeah. him and his, and his a wife. Son. <laughs> a son. He's having a son? Oh, let's go. Yeah, they had a like a reveal a thing reveal? where he hit a blue powder puck or whatever. Hey, I mean, same same goes to Austin Broad of the Charging Buffalo. Oh, yeah. By the way, the Sabermetrics podcast hosted by the Charging Buffalo and one of those people, Austin Broad, having a uh, baby girl. And uh, he's also getting, getting married, too. I mean, man, that guy... Oh, what a crap. year! What a year! Twenty twenty one. He's not a heater. Um, <laughs> hopefully, hopefully he's gotten this far in the in the episode to hear us uh, congratulate him on that. But um, I think that's really you I got mean, lost in the Ryan Johnson talk. Yeah, right. <laughs> I don't know. I, like I'm gen- now that you put that in my head, I'm scared that he's not going to show up. I don't know. Yeah. It, again, it is really a personality thing. Like, why didn't you guys yeah, sign me sooner? So. Or if he's like own oh, power, he's like, I want to go back to school. Maybe, maybe Ryan Johnson's also like, I don't don't sign me to this dumpster fire, so I have to go play in the AHL. Let me just stay at school and just do this, and then you guys figure it out. But yeah, I mean, if they they let him play senior year, it's it's not good. It's not good. Yeah, the last time that really happened to Sabres was, uh, I mean, Jimmy VC they traded for afterwards, but like yeah. Cal Peterson. I mean, yeah. it was kind of like up in the air whether he'd sign in Buffalo or not, but you just never really got good vibes. Especially yeah. when he went back his senior year. And then yeah. Once someone goes back the there. Yeah. Once someone goes back for their senior year, that, that really worries me. Now, my thing is if, if a guy really wants to get his degree, you, you can you can do that over the summer. You can take a class during yeah. the season maybe while you're on flight. You just do some schoolwork. I probably don't want to do that, honestly. You want to be playing cards or doing whatever with the guys. So. I'm, I'm not going to tell a professional athlete how to how to get their freaking degree here um but at the same time like like you just need to sign them just don't let them go back for a senior year it's all i'm trying to say um because again like we said that's don't waste the asset um it's like the same thing with any of the guys that are on one-year contracts here whether whether we like them or not this is a rebuilding year and if you can get rid of them for an asset no matter how late it is you you do it you do yeah. it. Like, if Vinny Hinnestros is going to pull you in a six, fifth or sixth round pick, unless you're, like, desperate for bodies or something like that, you, you do it. Because that's a that's an asset that, in the, in the offseason, he can just walk. It's the same thing with Ryan Johnson. If, if he goes back for his senior year, all he has to do is be – he just has to wait. That's it. That's all he's got to do. He's got to play his senior year, and he just has to wait. And then he has any NHL team that he can sign an entry-level contract with. And especially with someone that's as good defensively with him, I'm sure there's teams that are looking at him like, if he walks, we can sign him for cheap, and he could probably play in our bottom pairing. And this, this we're talking like a, a decent team because like that's skating ability. Now, if it's a skating ability that's kind of like frantic, like Brandon Montour, which nothing against him, he's having a good year down in, in Florida, but he was he was an exceptional skater. But it was really only you can only really see it in transition. Nothing really amounted from his skating ability defensively or on the offensive side so like yeah it's a little bit until different. he got to florida yeah and then well, like yeah. somehow 
somehow he's I mean, Florida's honestly got the perfect system for him. I think Montour's a guy that really won't work in many systems, but I mean, Florida's like pretty much tailor-made for Montour. And again, Montour was also a part of the, if you get over the red line and you don't dump the puck, I will staple your ass to the bench. Yeah. Um, Yeah, He went from elite best transition guy to like below average all during his time in Buffalo. Yeah. So, (laughs) um, but yeah, like that's, that's something to be, to keep an eye on. Um, You know, that's, that's an underrated off season or like thing to keep it, keep it tabs on essentially, because that's just, Again, don't. That's bad asset management if it if it doesn't turn out. Now, if it's if it's someone that's just like I refuse to sign here, I'm not. You shouldn't have drafted me. If like maybe even told him or something like that. What was it like Eli Manning? That was just like don't don't draft me. And then they drafted. Yeah. He's like all right, trade me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like Eric if, Lindros too with the, the yeah, Deeks. Yep, exactly. <laughs> yep. And like if that was the case, then you shouldn't have freaking drafted him. But it doesn't sound like <laughs> it. And again, we're putting like a lot of negative things about like brian johnson's personality this is all hypothetical he could totally like he seems like a pretty cool kid anytime i see him in an interview he just seems pretty quiet and just like a normal dude and just freaking really fast on hockey skates and good at hockey um so i mean that's just something to keep an eye on um any other that's that's about it really i mean there's not really any other any other prospect yeah, it hasn't been a lot page. of games yeah. too many either like the past few weeks yeah so i think that's that's a good place to stop it so um it was a you know merry christmas to everyone happy holidays um happy new year to everyone again this is the sabermetrics podcast hosted by the charging buffalo my name is bill that is walt we'll catch you on the next one <laughs>